Hey, what's happening? This is Miles Kennedy, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion. is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 258. My name is Brando. Much anticipated interview today. Miles Kennedy, of course, from Alter Bridge, slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. He has a new solo album coming out. It's called The Ides of March, but it's coming out May 14th. <laughs> we'll talk to him about that and so much more. Hey, Miles, how are you? Good, Brandon. How you doing? I am living the dream. I'm on the... All right. <laughs> I didn't. I, I just realized I didn't mean to name uh, one of the albums that you've been on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny uh where are you calling from if you don't mind me asking i'm in i'm at home i'm in spokane washington oh wow okay uh I, i've never been i i hope to go once this <laughs> pandemic ends i think a lot of us are going to be do, uh, doing some traveling but it's nice to see Come that on. You, you've been busy yeah yeah just staying busy here in my here in my hometown you know just uh trying to stay out of trouble <laughs> well I, I ask this to a lot of people who are, who are like you, who have maybe like a solo career and work in other bands. Maybe it's my lazy side coming out of it. Like, don't you just want to sit back in your home and just watch Netflix? Like, did you? I mean, it's great. Did you, do we like you? It is the motivation to constantly work. Where does that come from? I, I well, I think some of it because to me, it's not really work. It's and, and I try and I and I since uh, the record the solo record has been finished. I've had to learn the art of relaxing, which mm. is really hard. It's actually a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. I totally agree. Yeah. Right. Just staying in one place. And, and I feel like we've watched everything under the sun, you know, it's like what many, what series is left to, to, to binge watch. So yeah, you know, I just feel lucky to have a creative outlet. So how much of the, because the new album, The Ides of March, congratulations. You know what? I have to ask this, even though I feel dumb asking this. Why not March 15th as a release date? I know. As opposed to May 14th. I'm glad we get it earlier. (laughs) Exactly. I know. We were actually talking about trying to make that happen, but we we couldn't. It was a lot of it was just making sure we had enough time to set the record up. So we figured, well, we'll put it out in May. At least the month starts with an M like March. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Well, you know what? I'm glad that we get it early. And uh, for me, in preparation of this interview, I, I was actually able to stream uh, the record early. And it's it's great. It really is. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you very much. I really, really appreciate it. There's a lot of things, you know, listening to it that I take away. You know, first with the sliding guitar, I guess. I guess who in, in and I'm just, by the way, I'm going to sprinkle in fan questions throughout this. All right, great. People are excited to hear from you. Because uh, somebody, I guess it's interesting that Freddie, um, I don't know where Freddie's from, uh, he said, he asked about you, you covering uh, Rod Jackson slash the Snake Pit songs. And that's what threw my head with the first track a little bit with slide guitar. 
uh, get along. So I guess it, you don't have to answer the, the, the snake pit thing first, uh, but I guess where does the slide guitar come in? You know, who influences you? And because uh, there's a lot of different sounds in the record. That's why I want to kind of focus on certain songs that have different sounds. Sure. Um, as, well, as far as slide playing goes, I mean, the first person that influenced me was Bonnie Raitt. Um, way back when I was in a cover band and we, we covered one of her songs. So I had to learn how to play the slide. And, um, that was where it started for me. And then I discovered guys like Warren Haynes and Derek trucks and, and tried to learn a few licks here. And there's a guy I actually toured with for a while. There's a band called big wreck up in Canada, which, um, has an amazing frontman named Ian Thornley. And he, he's an, he's an incredible slide player. So when we toured together, I'd pick his brain and learn a few licks. And so that was, that was another inspiration. Okay. Nice. Cause there was also, um, a sound that I got, and I don't know if it's on purpose or not. Uh, the Ides of March, of course, the title track, I got strong stairway vibes, especially at the, oh, yeah. at the beginning I, of the end. At the beginning. You know, it's interesting. Somebody else brought that up, and I wasn't aware of that, but now listening, especially with that chord progression and the fact that it's an acoustic guitar, I can I could hear that. Um, it, was, it definitely wasn't the intent. It was just something I went for a walk with my wife one day, and came back and picked up the guitar and I'm always, I've always had, I always have ideas and, and musical parts and melodies floating around. So somebody just recorded real quick, didn't think anything of it and then re revisited it about a week later and liked it. But, but yeah, in retrospect, I could, I could hear the similarities. In a way, it's like the stairway of the record because it's, it's what's like seven minutes long, something like that. Yeah. It's a journey. <laughs> I, I love it. And uh, another record, uh, another song rather that stood out and this is going to, I guess, take a turn towards another, uh, question in genre as far as like your your singing ability uh wanderlust begins kind of country right you know yeah kind of a little bit there's a few moments you know, moonshot's another one was a bit of a has a bit of a country vibe and i i i love that um i love listening to country um i, love, I really love playing it i really love playing uh country style guitar there's just something about it that just excites me but that's actually a track that's one of the few tracks on the record there's another song called love Con or um love rain down which was not written last year everything else was written last year but mm -hmm. that that track is really old i wrote that back in gosh i think 2009 oh wow and yeah and i my, my brother really liked that song and my wife liked it too and i was revisiting demos and they're like and my, my wife is like, you know, you, that, I really love that song. You should put that on this next solo record. And I was like, well, lyrically, it certainly fits. It certainly fits the context of what a lot of people were feeling. So, so yeah, it felt like an appropriate track to make the record. It's good. Because um, right now my, my my fiance is making me watch uh, Nashville, that show. I think it got canceled. Okay. So I just have country on the brain. And it made me think, would you, I know obviously we're focusing on the Ides of March and you have a lot of things going on. But would you ever... Because, I mean, Steven Tyler did it, do a country record. Is that something you aspire to do? I would. I think I would enjoy it. Um, it. I think the question would be whether I could do it any justice. Just, you know, especially the way I sing. A lot of times male country singers, they tend to be more baritones. You know, a lot of my favorite, like, contemporary country guys, or um, I guess, like, I don't know what you could Sturgill Simpson is strictly country. He's, 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 what I love about Sturgill is he mixes a lot of different things, but, but, you know, he has that very warm, rich, um, deep voice. 
and I am more of a tenor. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it would be something to consider in the future. I certainly would enjoy, you know, going to Nashville and working with some of those, those really talented players. That's for sure. Sure. I, I kind of hope you do. Cause I'm, you know, obviously I'm a rock guy. Um, I'm a country. It depends on the artist, but I think your style vocal can inject something in a, in a country genre, at least to somebody who's not super into it. will make it sound different and exciting. So but that's that's something to consider. Thank you. I'll give it. I'll give it some thought. <laughs> All right. If you make the record, just make sure to put me in the liner notes. All right. <laughs> All right. Will do. <laughs> um, it was cool to find out that you mentioned uh, Wanderlust uh, has been sitting around since two thousand and nine. So when you, this is a, it makes me think of a question. This is uh, from uh, Satya from from Georgia. So when you have songs that have been around for so long and you have so many outlets, you know, solo, Alterbridge, uh, Slash, and the Conspirators. So how do you know what to bring to what table, I guess? You know, what's for yourself, what's to bring to Slash, what to bring to uh, the boys in Alter Bridge? Well, fortunately, they all have kind of a different vibe. So with Alter Bridge, there's definitely more of a kind of an anthemic uh, metal. There's even metal at times. Uh, it's heavier. With Slash, it's definitely more blues-based. Um and so between those two, one of the things besides the fact that they're different in that respect is the other, I'm sorry, the other thing that, that makes it easy is like the process. You know, so with Slash, he'll bring in the music. They'll have the riffs and the chord progression and occasionally I'll say, hey, have you thought about taking this chord progression and putting it here instead or add these chords here? But for the most part, he's doing that. And then my job is, is to put the melody and put the lyric to it. Where with Alter Bridge, Mark and I, Mark Tremonti and I come together with our own music parts and melodic parts, and we put the songs together that way. So it's it's a different process. With the solo realm, it's really a matter of trying to be, um, well, I, I'm doing it all. So, so you're kind of left to your own devices. This was an interesting record because some of the songs, a lot of the songs are plugged in, and it's, and it is more blues rock. Uh, along with the country vibe at times and the singer songwriter you know, element, um, so one could say, well, you're you're getting closer to some of these other projects because of the fact that it's it's not strictly acoustic. So that was a little bit of the challenge here was to make sure that uh, there was enough of a difference and there was enough of a uh, you know that just that establishing what that part of the brand is with this record. Okay. And, and by the way, um, forgive me, because I, I just listened to the album, so I don't know every all the ins and outs. It was Love Rain, uh, Love Rain Down, that's been around since 2009, not uh, not Wonderlust. So, yeah. So, no, but, no, both of them, you were right, but both Wonderlust and Love Rain Down, those are the, those two were sitting around for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. then you can, uh, we'll, we'll, both yell, <laughs> we'll both yell at Kevin <laughs> together. You're, you're, uh, you're in between uh, us who's texting me in between, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll edit in an appropriate way. Oh, see, I knew okay, something cool. more than I did. All right. So he, he's corrected himself. See, I'm going to treat this podcast like live radio. That's, that's how I enjoy doing Sweet. it. I love it. So, you know, that makes me think of when you're doing a solo record and you had, you know, just some done, you know, you had to do the most of it last year and you're used to, um, being with bands and you mentioned Slash bringing in the music and, and, and what Mark brings to the table and Alter Bridge. When you're doing a solo record, something like this, so much you have to, to do last year, are you overwhelmed or because it's like all on you or are you excited that perhaps you're, and I don't want to use the word limited in a different way, 
but you, we talk about the specific sounds of the other bands. So I guess, do you feel excited? Like, oh, I can be, you know, there's no limits or I'm overwhelmed. Where do I even begin? You know, what do I do? So how do you approach it? How do you look at it? It's, de- it's that's a great question. It's, it's actually excitement. It's, it's the idea that the, uh, um, you're left to do whatever you want to do and you, you don't have to stay within a certain realm. Um, and as much as I enjoy compromising, I think compromising is important when you're writing with people. It's, it's also really nice to just, you know, knock down the walls and see what happens. So it, for me, it's really invigorating. And what I find is, is when I have the opportunity to make solo records, then it cleanses the palate for me. And I'm ready to go back in a situation where I can collaborate because I've gotten a lot off my chest. You know, if, if I didn't have this, I would be, I might feel like, Oh man, if only I could write a song that was more, had a bit of a, you know, I could, where I play lap steel and has a bit more of a, of a Nashville vibe or, you know, there's always the what ifs, but that just, you, and you obviously I can't do that in, in Alter Bridge. That's just right. not going to fly. So, so yeah, it, it's really, for me, it's really healthy. And at times it's overwhelming because it is a tremendous amount of work. You know, where it gets overwhelming is when you're in the studio, because when you're actually mm. recording and you're playing, if you're playing a multitude of instruments, you know, then you you wake up and you track guitars all day and then you eat something quickly and then you track in vocals at night. So it's just the days are really long and tracking is exhausting because you have to be so much focus, you know, but as far as the creating it, you know, the, the months leading up to it, I loved it. I had a blast. Right on. Okay, cool. So that leads me to, and this is going to lead into a bunch of other questions because I can't believe it's uh, the 20th year of uh, the movie Rockstar. You know, right. I, I can't believe it. Sorry, I have to ask because I know I don't have you here for for too long. But you'd be, I'm not surprised, I guess, because I got a lot of questions about the movie Rockstar. So before I get to them, this is how I see Miles as just a fan perspective. I see you a lot. And you can tell me if I'm uh, romanticizing it or not. I see you kind of like your character in Rockstar where you're obviously super talented and you're kind of metaphorically being pulled on stage by, let's say, Creed. And it becomes Alter Bridge, this insanely successful band. You know, Slash is looking for a new singer, pulls kind of you know, metaphorically pulls you on stage, and look how successful you guys have been. You know what, what happened with Led Zeppelin? They pull you. So is it? Are you like your character? Are you living your dream to kind of the callback at the beginning of the conversation? Are you? Am I romanticizing a little bit? Like, how do you look back on? I guess the movie itself, and I guess what I just said. Are you living the dream? Are you living what the, that character did? You're absolutely right. I've, I've actually thought about that a few times, how prophetic that movie was for my own life. Mm. It's fascinating. Um, and then with the, interestingly enough, you know, with the solo projects, it's kind of like at the end of the movie when he figures out that he wants to make his solo music, you know? Right. Um, so, it, so it's all there. The difference is that I haven't had to leave the band to do so. Right. You know, I can continue to do the, I just keep all three going. Um, but, yeah, it's it's it, it's really interesting. That movie. It was so much fun to make, and I had no idea what was going to happen when it was all said and done. I had no idea that the movie was going to become kind of this cult classic. That I thought it would come and go, and that would be it. But twenty years later, we're still talking about it. And then you're right to look at how some of the film mirrored where my life would end up going with playing with these these heavy hitters. Um, it's, it's really fascinating and very, and very, very interesting. Um, so you, you just never know how life's going to turn out. I know. It, so I, whenever that movie's on TV, of course I watch it and I just see that scene and I smile just knowing 
you know, what that young actor, young singer's life would become over the next 20 years and what you, right. it's just amazing. So I want to give credit to, uh, cause again, my listeners are excited, uh, as excited as I am, uh, Jason Alba from, uh, La Habra, California. Uh, and, and quickly, any cool like cast stories, um, hanging out, anything, you know, you see, uh, the Mark, Mark Wahlberg stage dive and, and miss anything like silly like that. You know, it was just, it was a really good experience. And what's interesting is people, people, I was talking with somebody the other day and they're like, Oh, I really enjoyed your acting in that film. I'm like, well, I really didn't feel like I was acting because you have to look at it from where I was coming from. I was from Spokane, Washington. We're very far removed from the, the, the circles, you know, the entertainment circles and Hollywood life. So I was asked to come down and be a part of this thing, which was a total trip. And it was, so when you see that this guy being so excited, you know, when I have the, the back and forth between Mark Wahlberg's character, it's like, I don't even think that's really acting. I was just excited to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, geek, I was just geeking out. But as far as, so that leads to, to, to the answer for your, your question. There were, there were times when I got to hang out and talk with Jason Bonham and talk with Zach Wilde and, and Jeff Pilson and, and, um, you know, just talk, talk music. And they were, they were all so cool. I, I remember at the, at the, at the end of the film, uh, Zach Wilde brought me into his trailer and we, we shared a beer together and he gave me a, I told him what a fan I was of his guitar playing and he gave me a box of his, you know, personalized guitar strings and, and which I still have, you know, I still have in the basement. Um, so little, you know, little things like that were, were really, really great. I actually gave, I gave guitar, guitar lessons to Dominique, the, the, he played one of the guitar players in, um, Steel Dragon. Okay. Um, and uh, we, we actually, we got to talking and he found out that I was a guitar teacher, which I had been for, off and on for years. So I went in his trailer and gave him a guitar lesson and he learned really quick. He was great. So just little things like that. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of fun. Cool. I think it just goes down to, you know, like, it's not acting. It's, it's not work. You're just a humble guy who just likes doing what he does and it shows, you know, people are receptive to it. Um, since I only have you here for a few more minutes, I want to ask, uh, I have so much, God, I have so many fan questions. People are so excited. Uh, this is from Tommy Bell. And you mentioned uh, Jason Bonham. Um, is there anything you can tell us, any memories from auditioning with Led Zeppelin? You know, anything, like, was it, you know, how was it with Jimmy Page? I guess, how close was that? Again, this is mirroring that movie where you're pulled on stage with this. I mean, it didn't uh, obviously come to fruition, anything, but... Do you think, do you think about that now at all? Like, Oh my God, you do ever wake up and be like, I was kind of rehearsing with Led Zeppelin or is the media kind of overblowing maybe what may or may not have happened? Well, we, we did, you know, stand in a room together and, and, and play a fair amount of those songs. I never thought of it. Like I was playing with Led Zeppelin. I, you know, I think for me, it was always like, Jason and Jimmy and John Paul Jones. And they, I don't think they were really sure if it would, if it was going to happen, what they would have even called it. I don't think they were going to call it Led Zeppelin, but, but it was, it was definitely uh, an incredible experience, especially considering how important that band was for me uh, in my musical evolution. One moment that I, I think of often was having the opportunity to play my arguably my favorite Led Zeppelin song, the rain song. Mm. And, and, and that was a, that was a really, really heavy moment. And that was the moment where suddenly it dawned on me what was actually happening. You know, I'd come back, I'd, 
we'd done one jam session in early, uh, I think it was like June of 2008. And then I came back again and I think it was September after I'd done a, uh, a tour with Alter Bridge. And so we reconvened in London. And during one of those rehearsals, we were playing the rain song. And because that song is so beautiful and so haunting, but I think we got to the, it was like, the, I want to say it was the second verse. So what, whichever verse it is where John Paul Jones comes in with the descending Mellotron part. And that's when it hit me. And I just, I literally had to pull away from the mic and like, I'm, my eyes are welling up and I'm mm. goosebumps. And it was just the, the, that was the moment of realization of like, you were playing arguably your favorite song of all time with the guy who created it. And this is, this is insane. And it's probably never going to be, no matter what you do from this point forward, it may never feel quite like this. And, and so I, I hold on to that memory dearly. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that. And again, that's that rock star moment. So I have one more, I guess, rock star moment to ask you non-related album before we, you know, uh, I get you on your way. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you're right. It's nothing may come close to that, but what kind of came close to it is when you were on stage, you know, with, I guess Guns N' Roses, if you want to, I guess you wouldn't call it Zeppelin, you wouldn't call it Guns N' Roses. So can you talk, talk about that experience when you found out that you were going to be singing with GNR at the Hall of Fame and, you know, your reaction to that? Because unlike with Led Zeppelin, you were on stage for people to see. Was that hard for you to do? Was that fun? Um, if you can talk about that a little bit. Well, for for me, it was, it was, it was interesting because it had been, brought up and initially um, it seemed like that was the, the gravity of the situation was a little too hard for me to comprehend. And, and so I, it, when they first brought it up with me, the idea of it possibly happening, I, I didn't quote unquote jump at the chance. It was kind of like, I, I needed to really give that a lot of thought because um, you know, it was, that was, there was just a really, unique set of circumstances. So after I thought about it for a while, and it seemed like they really wanted to play and I thought, well, okay, let's, let's, let's give this a shot. This is their, 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 their an important moment for them. So if I can help facilitate it, great. But in the, you know, honestly, in the back of my mind, I, I really did think that the entire band would show up. I thought everyone was going to be there. I thought Axel would show up at the last minute. One of the things I, I remember maybe more than being on stage was they were, I was behind the, the, uh, in the backstage area and they were accepting their award and talking. And then I heard a, like applause and I see them start to head to grab their instruments. And I remember I kept looking at one of the doors thinking that, that Axel would walk in and it would perform together. I honestly thought that was going to happen. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and it, when I, I looked one last time, the door didn't open. And I was like, I remember telling myself, you're going to, you're going to have to go out and do this now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so essentially don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, it was definitely a, um, it, it's weird. I don't remember much because it was such a, a heavy moment. I remember looking back at Steven Adler and he was grinning from ear to ear. Mm. And that was, that was, a, that was a really special moment. And that was, when I realized that though it was, it wasn't necessarily because like I keep saying the gravity of the situation, it's not that I wasn't honored to be asked to, to help them 
you know, or be the guy that just kind of stands in and sings those songs. Um, but, but seeing how happy they were really made that any stress or any, uh, any quote unquote, uh, you know, fears or misgivings I might've had worth it. Cause I was like, Hey, these guys are doing what they want to do. And this is a really important day for them. Awesome. I'm glad they got to do it. Right on. And you're right. That Steven Adler, uh, smile cures a lot of things. And that's, I'm right now. I have a Steven Adler smile on because I'm talking to you miles, but, um, before we run, uh, I guess t- tell us where we can pre-order. Yeah, I, I have it, whatever, but where can pre- everybody else pre-order the Ides of March, which again comes out May 14th on uh, Nate, uh, Palm records, which is, it's going to have like a bunch of different versions, right? With vinyls and glow in the dark vinyls. And can you just tell us, <laughs> tell us everything we're going to get when we pre-order? <laughs> yes, all, my manager, Tim, has got all these, he puts together all these cool things and the label, May Palm. And, and so, yeah, you can go to milescennedy.com and, and, and check out all the, all the, uh, the, the vinyl and the CDs and the, and the swag. And it's, it's, it's all right there for your, uh, for your viewing pleasure. Amazing. Well, Miles, this has been uh, definitely a highlight for me to speak with you today. This was my rock star moment. Uh, so oh, I thanks. thank you so much, Miles. I appreciate your time. You have a great day. You too, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. What an awesome dude. That was so much more than I ever expected it to be. So thank you, Miles. And thanks to all of you for your, your great questions for submitting and making, as always, you, the Appetite for Distortion listener, make this a better interview because of just the questions you ask and your involvement and your excitement. Your excitement is contagious, makes me excited to do these interviews. So uh, with that in mind, let's do, uh, let's wrap up this interview with a segment I like to call My Monologue. Monologue. So obviously I've wanted to interview Miles since day one of the podcast, but there are certain interviews and just being a podcast in general, you have to, you have to earn your stripes. I can't just start a podcast. Nobody can just start a show and just start interviewing great people. You have to earn it. So over the years, you've been on this podcast night train ride with me and getting big names. Sometimes it's like, why can't you get that a certain name? Well, there's that landmine called Guns N' Roses that makes things difficult sometimes. And it's, it's out of my control that I've learned because like with Miles, if he didn't want to talk about, and I asked this beforehand, if he didn't want to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or certain things, I would not have spoken about it. I asked his permission. And that's how it usually goes. Either, you know, you ask ahead of time or I'll wrap up recording and I'll say, you know, is there anything that you didn't want to discuss? Cause maybe we got into some heavy topics and, Nine times out of 10, 9.5 times out of 10, people will just want to leave it. But I just want people to have the option to feel comfortable that I don't want to have any gotcha moments. You know, we have the luxury of this. Yeah, I treat it like live radio, but it's a recorded podcast. I don't want anyone to feel trapped here. This is just a fun place to talk about Guns N' Roses and Guns N' Roses related things. So with that in mind... I, there are many of you that just listen to the podcast and perhaps don't check social media, you know, facebook.com slash the AFD show, Twitter at the AFD show, Instagram. So I, just like with this interview with Miles, I was taking questions for Adrian. And of course, many of you want to know about, you know, his opinion about the, the 1988 tour where Guns N' Roses opened up for Iron Maiden 
and famously, this is these are known facts that it was uh, didn't go that well. That Axel didn't like opening for Iron Maiden. I think Izzy had some issues with it too. They looked at them as, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of interviews have been done about it. It's it's been out in the press. So after you know speaking with Adrian for a few minutes about his new project, you know, I asked him about the uh, you know the '88 tour. And, you know, he does, his answer is, is pretty diplomatic, saying that he doesn't think that Axel wanted to open up for them. Not really sure why. Uh, it was a shame. But, you know, in the end, he was very diplomatic about it, saying, you know, it worked out for both bands, considering how, both, how successful both are. And then I guess followed up with, you know, if he had ever had an opportunity to collaborate with, with, uh, with Slash, which he has not. And that was basically it. Interview is over, and if you recall that episode, um, that interview is one of the the ones that I do that's called a, a radio tour, and I was running that radio tour, so I was technically on the phone with Adrian Smith for two hours, patching him into different radio stations for, to interview about his new project, and I was one of those radio stations. So I'm on the phone with him for like an hour before my interview, and one of the interviewers beforehand very fascinating that to listen to other interviews with the same person before yours. It's 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 quite the uh, perspective. But somebody asks, you know, is there anything that you don't want to talk about? And honestly, Adrian Smith said the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think he's just sick and tired of talking about it. He really doesn't have like a, a true opinion. Uh, so I'm not outing him on really anything. But that was like the one thing that he he mentioned. So it's my turn, and I asked him about the '88 tour, and I told you his responses. The, the radio tour is over, two hours, everybody's happy. I get a call uh, from the person I'm friendly with who helped uh, or, organize the, the interview uh, schedule and said that management had, is asking to remove any conversations about other bands. So Guns N' Roses? I can't talk about Guns N' Roses about, on my Guns N' Roses podcast? I, I, I don't understand. Well, they think it might reflect poorly on Iron Maiden and Adrian Smith. It doesn't. It doesn't. I told you what he said. Nothing reflects poorly on them. However, I'm not the manager. So I, but I'm also not, I'm a nice guy, but I'm not a pushover. So I said, I really would like to air this. I can edit some stuff to make it maybe sound, um, make them sound chippier, like a happier maybe, you know, or just tighten it up. Uh, so, and I'll say, you know what? I'll even send it you, uh, I'll send you the file when I'm all done just to show you like how good of a guy I am. And then I get a message back from the management that it's great, but they really would like, they would be upset if the Guns N' Roses stuff aired and their concern is about clickbait. I have no control over that. You know, and it's, and this was, I said this with a coworker of mine and, and this could be said, you know, maybe of other management's. Uh, sometimes it's short-sighted because yes, there are such things as bad press. You know, if you, if you're looking at, uh, if, if you follow sports, yeah, the, the Sean uh, Watson is going through some bad press right now. Okay. You know, anything involving, uh, sexual harassment or, you know, bad press, you know what I mean? This is bad. This isn't bad. Even if it's like a clickbait where people are like, you know, oh, what if like it was phrased like Adrian didn't call Axel an asshole or even if it was the most egregious clickbait. You click on the article, you read what he says, you hear what he says. If you actually click on the link of the podcast, which 
all those uh, online magazines do or supposed to do, and everything is fine. And plus, you just learned that he has a new project out called Smith Cotson. But again, I'm not the management, so I, I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? Not only is this interview part of my podcast, I just ran a, a radio tour for him for my job, so I'm not going to put my job over the podcast. So I said, you know what? I'll, I'll take it out. And I, I don't want to develop a reputation of being difficult to work with. And I hope to interview Adrian again. And maybe next time will be the appropriate time to talk about Guns N' Roses. So, and that's just, again, with Adrian Smith. And just look at who I, I had on, Miles Kennedy, where there could be a lot of hot button issues with the, the landmine that is Guns N' Roses. You know, just being a fan to going into this podcast, I, yeah, they're, you know, they were once the world's most dangerous band, full of controversy. But even when I don't even touch those subjects, this band is, uh, it's hot. <laughs> it's hot to the touch. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. Sorry I touched that. I, I didn't realize, I didn't know. I didn't know that was a sight. So I do my best, and it's been, a, it's been a wonderful ride with all of you who have helped me shape the narrative of this podcast, that it's not, that I'm not a shock jock. This is not, you know, a, a clickbait inducing, like purposely inducing uh, podcast. I can't help the main interviews are popular, the do well. How people run their business, you know, Blabbermouth, uh, Brett at Alternative Nation. You know, he's my friend. I consider him a friend, but he's uh, one of the masters of clickbait. Many times I look at his articles and I guess I'm like, I shake my head. But <laughs> he's been always so nice to me. I don't, he doesn't do anything evil. He's just, that's just the way of the world now. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Of, I'm not a fan of clickbait either. And so that's why I do this podcast. What other people do with this podcast, I can only control so much. So very grateful for Miles to come on this podcast because I know uh, it's, you know, this, 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 this podcast is full of controversy, apparently. <laughs> so thanks for hanging out for another episode of Appetite for Distortion. Who will the next guest be? I have no idea. I don't know who I'm allowed to interview anymore about what. But we've been making it work. Oh, yeah, we've been making it work. So uh, stick around. Again, conversation continues on social media. That's how you can uh, possibly co-host. That's how you can ask questions to your favorite rock stars. So until next time, when will you uh, see the next episode? Who will the next guest be? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.